Welcome to the Gospel Central Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message. Please visit our website at gospelcentral.church for more information. Hi there guys, so great to spend some time with you once again as we continue our series in James where we look at life lessons that James is teaching us. This incredible guy that was the brother of Jesus but also the leader in the early church in Jerusalem and uh, I have so enjoyed my journey through this book and today uh, I'm going to talk about a topic that I'm sure all of us struggle with something that we would love to run away from avoid um, at any possible in any possible way and that is the beautiful lovely glorious topic of conflict conflict is unavoidable and uh, when you are in a relationship if you have relationships you will at some or other time experience conflict in that relationship you might try to avoid it you might try to ignore it you might uh, uh, sort of just imagine that it's not there but one thing I know at some stage you will experience conflict and why do we experience conflict in the world you and I live so often? Why do we experience this conflict? Because the world we live in is filled with what I call self-made kings. Kings will do everything to stay on their thrones. And you and I are basically self-made kings. So when two kings meet, each one wants their kingdom to rule. And conflict basically arises when the wrong person is on the throne. And unless that wrong person is removed from the throne, conflict will exist and continue. However, when the right person is on the throne, it cures conflict. Now I'm sure you can guess who that right person is. And a throne basically represents that which rules your heart, which rules you. The throne that we talk about here is another word for that which is at the center of your life. And for the rest of our time together, I'm going to answer two questions. Number one, we're going to look at what causes conflict in our lives. And number two, we're going to end with how should we deal with conflict in our lives lives what causes conflict in our lives let's turn in our bibles to james 4 i think is the best chapter in the whole bible that's talking about this topic of conflict james 4 verse 1 it says what is causing the quarrels and fights among you don't they come from the evil desires at war within you and see that word desires there is the, the root word that they that they that they translated into desires is the word hedone, which is where we get our word hedonism. And I'm sure you've heard that word because it's basically the philosophy that views pleasure and self-gratification as the main goal of life. Sounds familiar? That's also where, where the type of thinking that leads to YOLO. No, YOLO, Y-O-L-O. Sure, many of the youngsters will know that. You only live once. It's sort of that, that, that concept of 
of hedonism has led to this whole uh, sort of uh, thinking around YOLO. I basically live my life to please myself because I am on the throne and I am the king. Your fight or you fight because your self-interest are the number one priority in your life. You are indeed, if you haven't noticed, we haven't realized, you are indeed the wrong person on the throne. Imagine telling people this. I mean, imagine telling people this. I will never put your needs in front of mine or before mine. So, I will never do that. Well, you might, you might never say that, but you do live your life as if you're saying that. As if you're preaching that. You're declaring by how you act and what happens. By the, by the, by, uh, you, 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 you're saying it by the way you act. Let's continue in verse 2. You want what you don't have. So you scheme and you kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it. So you fight and wage war to get it away from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And when you do ask God, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. Our selfish priorities have a negative impact on three crucial areas of our lives. One, in our emotion of anger. And just remember one thing that God has given us the emotion of anger. And uh, it's righteous anger. And then the second... Uh, the second crucial area of our lives that are influenced by our selfish priorities is, is community and number three, our prayer life. Now when we look at anger, when we get angry, when we get angry, basically when we don't get what we want. I often ask people when they're frustrated, same word, frustrated, annoyed, um, my button is pressed, I'm angry, I'm whatever word we use, we use nice little words for actually basically the word anger. When, when I feel like that, I always ask, oh, I love asking people, what is it that you want that you don't get? The motion of righteous anger in this, di- in, this, in this moment quickly turns to sin. And many of us would say, well, I've never murdered anyone, but sometimes we surely have murdered people with our lips and the way we speak. The second thing that that the selfish priorities negatively impact is community life, living with others, our relationship with others. And see, what we do is we, we covet or we crave what others have. We look around and we say, I can't believe they have that. And our, and our heart starts being filled with jealousy and discontent and strife because I'm on the throne. Why can't I have it? I've learned this, and this is me issues always becomes we issues. What's in you will come out of you. I think we spoke a little bit about that last week. What comes out of you impacts those around you. Let's say that again. What's in you will come out of you. What comes 
out of you will impact those around you. Who farted? Now, how often have, have farts destroyed harmonious environment? The cause of much conflict and quarrels in a car. Now, I'm sure some of you listening here and say, I can't believe my wife for one, he has just spoken about farting. And see, what comes, what's in you will always come out of you and impact everybody around you. You get my drift? If we allow the gospel to saturate us, good fruit will follow. Positively impacting, impacting those around us. The third thing that selfish motivations also hinder, hinder is our prayer life. We have not This is what James is saying to us here. We have not because we ask wrongly. And see, the goal of prayer is not for our wills to be done, but actually for God's will to be done. And we might as well sometimes pray, God, may, Lord, I want this, may my will be done. Because that's how we pray. We've decided in our hearts what we need, how we need it, when we need it, how much we need. And then we just sort of run it past God. But We're not really interested in his will. We're not really interested in how he feels about it because we don't even realize at that stage we're acting like kings on our own throne. If you would listen to your prayer sometimes, who would be impacted if your prayer is answered apart from you? Will somebody else be impacted? Will the world be impacted? Will the world be changed? Will people come to know Christ? Because if your prayer was it basically if it's answered, it will only impact and change your life. Hmm, just a thought. We are not trying to change his mind when we pray. We are not trying to persuade a reluctant God. We pray, but we don't receive because God is not answering prayers outside of his will. In fact, he has never and he will never. He does not answer prayer outside of his will. Let's continue with our reading. We in James 4, and we're reading verse 4. It says, you adulterous. Don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again. If you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. And here James is sort of going for the throat. And what he's, what he's doing is he's comparing his audience with a cheating spouse. Our greatest issue as adulterous people, or as cheaters as he calls us here, is not that we have conflict with others. That's just a smokescreen. It's basically, it's a much bigger and bigger, oh sorry, much bigger than that and much deeper. Our conflict is primarily with God. See, our temporary pleasures versus His eternal promises. You see, selfish focus. Our immediate answer, demand for immediate answer versus his everlasting comfort. Our unforgiving heart, our unforgiveness versus his desire that everyone will should come, or that everyone will come to Christ, that no one will perish. 
Our conditional contractual love. I will give you this if you give me this. I will do this if you do this. Actually, sometimes coming into a contractual agreement with God. God, if you give me this, I will do this. Our conditional love versus His unconditional covenantal love with us. And it comes down to this, in summary, our will versus His will. Today, I'm calling you and I, let Him rule as Lord in every area of your life. Not just in some, not just in that, but in all areas of your life. And here is why. Verse 5. Do you think the scriptures have no meaning? They say that God is passionate, that the spirit he has planted or is placed within us should be faithful to him. God has a healthy, jealous desire to protect us from destroying ourselves. The same jealous desire you and I have to protect our children from danger. God will not tolerate any competition for his affection. Why would he have to compete? He is God. What greater love can we find? Who has ever found love outside of Christ? True love. Who has ever found anything outside of Christ that has truly uh, filled his needs? Have ever completely comforted him and, and, and made him feel complete? You know, for trying to find completeness in a partner, for instance. How else can we be reconciled to God? We cheat. What we do, you and I, we cheat on a perfect mate with a worthless mistress called the world. Because what we don't do is, we, we don't realize that he always, 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 did I say it? Always has our best interest in mind. And our desire to be on the throne of our life is what causes this conflict. These, these selfish desires impact every aspect of our lives. And that's basically why we are constantly finding ourselves in, in conflict situations. I want to now, as uh, we sort of bring our time together to a conclusion. I want to talk for the last next few minutes. I want to talk about how we should deal with our conflict. Verse 6, same chapter. And he gives grace generously. As the scriptures say, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And see, grace means Jesus took our place, and instead of crashing his enemies, by the way, that's us, he saved us while we were still sinners, instead of crushing his enemies, God, Jesus allowed God to crush him in our place. Wow. Because, because Jesus loved his enemies, you and I, we loved this world more than him. And you know this portion of scripture, but God so loved the world that he graciously gave his only son and whoever believes in him will not die but live forever. We are saved by grace through faith. 
The same grace that saved us is also the grace that enables us to make Him Lord. It's the same grace that gives you and I the confidence in, 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 in moments of conflict, to overcome, to overcome this conflict in our lives. It's the very grace that allows us to climb off our thrones. Because remember, the wrong guy is on the throne. To climb off our thrones and allow him to sit on the throne. But to sit on the throne of every aspect of our lives. And the Bible has got us another way of sometimes saying this. The Bible talks about we need to humble ourselves before the Lord. God gives us grace so that we can humble ourselves. Humility is not you thinking lowly of yourself and that's often what we think humility means it means thinking lowly of yourself it actually means thinking accurately of yourself and how do we think accurately of ourselves it's basically thinking of ourselves as God will think of us allowing his word to speak to us you know when I hear people talk about I need to do introspection it's like oh my that's not going to go well. I need to listen to my heart. Ooh, that's not going to go well. There's only one person that can help you, that can enable you to accurately see yourself. And that is the light of the gospel. That is to allow God to, through the word of God, to look at you. It reminds you that you are first a sinner. That's what's happened when we allow the gospel to speak into our hearts. It allows you to first know that you're a sinner. And then you sinned against. And that's the same principle that we can bring in here of, of before you engage and before you speak to somebody, uh, 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 challenge them, speak to them about something comfortable. Start by taking the plank out of your own eye. Start with you and know that I'm a sinner and then you speak to another sinner. That'll change the interaction and the conversation. It allows you to see your sin, not just their sin. Because be honest with one another, we are masters we are actually brilliant at seeing the sin of others but man we are absolute what is the word i'm looking for uh we are not good we we sort of uh, we're very very limited in our ability to see the sin in our own lives amateurs is the word i was looking for verse 7 let's continue reading so humble yourself before god Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come close to God and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Let there be tears for what you have done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. Humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up in honor. And I love how it starts in verse 7 talking about humbling ourselves and then ends in verse 10 humbling ourselves. And normally when that happens, the point is humble yourself. It's sort of another way of saying exclamation mark saying this is important. Humble ourselves. Everything in between, it's all about humbling ourselves before God. And James is commanding the church here to deal with conflict. By number one, submitting to the Lordship of Jesus. That's what some of the translations will say. Or to humble yourself to the Lordship, under the Lordship of God. Who's on the throne? Who's on the throne? Who's on your throne? 
The night before his crucifixion, Jesus asked God if it's possible to let the trial pass him. Honestly, Jesus prayed this to the Father. And then he said, but he humbled himself. He submitted himself to his Father. Not my will, but your will be done. God is our example. Jesus is our example. Even at that unseemingly unbearable moment, Jesus was strengthened by God because of his humility. Number two, we deal with conflict by number two, resisting the devil. To actively resist the devil, to actively run away from sin, to keep our distance from sin. Resist the devil. Not going to say much about it. Number three, we actively deal with conflict by worshipping, through worshipping. You and I were created to worship. In verse 8 it says, come close to God and God will come close to you. That's worship. That's what it means to worship. And all of our lives is basically a life of worship, should be a life of worship. Worship is not just singing. Worship is an all life experience. When we humble ourselves, it allows us to saturate ourselves with the gospel. Number four, how do we deal with conflict? How do we deal with these challenges in our lives? Number four, through repentance. It's a big one. It's a big one. In verse 8 and 9 it says, it, it uses terms like cleanse and purify and be wretched and mourn and weep. These are all aspects and postures of repentance. Our identity is saints. That's who we are first. We are saints who sins. But we are reminded of our current activity, which is sin. And that's where James brings up this, this idea of, of, of repentance, that we will be reminded of our current activity, sin. True repentance cures conflict, allowing us to be in right standing with God. If you and I can just learn this, to humble ourselves before God, and I think it's so closely linked so closely linked of this act of, of repentance, where we will constantly live in a posture where we will be so quickly to repent. When we find ourselves in conflict, that we realize that first of all we're sinning against God, but we're also sinning against the other person very often. That we will be very quick to say, I am so sorry, please forgive me. Living a life of repentance and going before God and say, oh Lord, I'm on my throne again. Lord, I humble myself. I'm climbing down from my throne. Please, will you not sit on my throne? In fact, not on my throne. Will you not sit on the throne? And I want to worship you. And if we can live constantly with that posture, the amount of conflict would significantly decrease. See, any man that is in Christ is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. And then it continues, and then it says in verse 10, it says, uh, in verse 10 it says, humble yourself before the Lord and He will lift you up in honor. We struggle in most of our conflicts because we want to be right. We want to be exalted above our spouse, above our siblings, above our co-worker, above our friends. We want to be the throne. We want to be the king. And our kingdom rules. Our principle, our kingdom king principles need to rule you. Not this. That's why we struggle with conflict. 
This is typical when the wrong person is on the throne. So by now you know the right person is on the throne. It's Jesus that's on the throne. When we humble ourselves as Jesus did, God will exalt us in his time. Conflict is inevitable. We will always experience it, this side of heaven. But God will give us the grace we need in every situation, just as he did for Jesus. When we humble ourselves. And I want to finish our time, and I think it's such an apt portion of Scripture, such a, a perfect portion of Scripture to sort of encapsulate and summarize that what I've been sharing with you the last few minutes. And I want to pray it as a prayer for all of us as we bring our time together uh, to an end. And uh, so let's pray. I'm going to read from or pray from Philippians 2 verse 3 to verse 11. It says, don't be selfish. Lord, help us not to be selfish. Don't try to impress. Help us, Lord, not to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others is better than ourselves. Lord, we pray this for ourselves. Don't look out only for our own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Verse 7, instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. And when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all names, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of our Father. Amen. And that's my prayer, and I I want to encourage you, as our time comes to an end, that you will sort of read through that portion with a prayerful heart again and say, Lord, this is my posture. This is who I am. Help me through this portion that I will put others before me. Remember loving people with a sacrificial love, others before me, that we will come with a posture of humility, submitting ourselves to the Lordship of Jesus, that we will resist the devil and he will flee from us, that we will have a continuous a posture of worship, worshiping the king, and basically in our posture of worship, placing him on the throne, placing him on the throne, declaring that he's the Lord of every aspect of our life, that will then lead to a life of repentance, a continuous posture of repentance, of turning from doing things our way, according to my kingdom principles, and now doing things according to the principles of his kingdom. Let your kingdom come in our lives, in Jesus' name. Amen. It was so great to spend time with you. Won't you take the time? Don't just get on with your day. Won't you take the time? Uh, if you're on online, tell tell us what's the one thing uh, that, that has stood out for you. Or what did God convict you of? If you're with others, won't you turn to them? Ask them to pray for you. Maybe it's time for confession and repentance. And, and maybe discuss this message amongst yourselves. And not just move on and say, that's a message. Let's go on. Oh, it was such a privilege to be with you until we see one, uh, each other again. God bless. Thank you for taking the time to listen. 
If you have any questions or would like to connect, email us at connect at gospelcentral.church or visit our website gospelcentral.church. God bless.